0: Tommy Hall, welcome. Welcome, welcome. How are you?
1: I'm good, Nikki. It's great to be here with you. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. I'm excited you're here. You are a master state change designer. I'm very excited to learn all about that, and we're going to talk about disrupting alcohol. Tell me, tell me, what does a master state change designer do?
1: State change, it's a word that we've kind of chosen for a feeling state, Another word would be a buzz or a high. We think state change is particularly precise because it has like a a relationship in physics, right? Something changing from a liquid to a gas, right? Mm. From one thing to a totally different thing. And that's what we do as a brand. We help consumers step into their hearts, lower their inhibitions, basically enter into a deeper connective space with the people in their lives in a social setting. Uh, and we do that through new beverages that we're building. So <clears throat> the classic you know, state change beverage in the world is alcohol. It's been around for 10,000 years. We all kind of know it. A lot of people love it. A lot of people, it doesn't treat them so well. So, our perspective, and our, our brand name is Potion, by the way, is that it's time for a new new options, right? So, every time you go on a date or you go to a party or a wedding or a celebration of whatever kind, we want to be that second option that allows you to, you know, have more fun, connect more deeply, have more peak experiences without a hangover, without the sloppiness of alcohol. So, when I describe myself as a master state change designer, I want to be the world's best, and I'm, I'm getting there at building these feeling states that really help us connect.
0: Love it. So with alcohol, I think people turn to it, and I certainly did, uh, to kind of numb out the prefrontal cortex, to silence that inner critic, and just be free, right? That's, uh, well, that was my driver, anyway. I just wanted to be free and dance and have fun and not have this nagging kind of inner voice that's like, don't do that, don't do that. You know, <laughs> that was stopping me from being really, um, I wouldn't say authentic, but just it, it was this really the sense of freedom that I was after. Are you still creating that?
1: Yeah, and I think... You know, let's see, turning off your frontal lobe, lowered inhibitions—that that's a core value prop of alcohol. And if we rewind, you know, let's say 100,000 years ago, we're in hunter-gatherer tribes, right? 100, 150 people. On some level, we're all still, you know, kind of nervous apes when we're in a when we're in a social setting. So we need that lubrication. We need a little something to help us enter into a state that's non-normal, right? To take that edge off, to be excited to talk to a girl at the bar or talk to our boss about something that may be a little full of friction, right? Alcohol does a really good job of turning down that volume of self-awareness, self-consciousness in a way that allows us to connect a little bit more deeply. And that's why alcohol is so dominant, right? It's, been around for 10,000 years. It, it, have you heard of the beer before bread hypothesis? No, what's that? So, typically, it's been assumed that we developed agriculture, and then when you, you have agriculture, you have stored grain, water gets in, it ferments, you have beer. So, it's kind of like, you know, bread before beer. But there's another hypothesis that hunter gatherer tribes would get together brew a lot of beer and then build a temple together and have big celebrations. So the the idea is that we actually developed agriculture to have a consistent supply of grain (laughs) to make beer. (laughs) Nice.
0: (laughs) Smart ancestors. (laughs) Yep. But there's a dangerous side, obviously. Like, you can numb out your prefrontal cortex so much that you wake up the next morning and you're like, uh, who are you <laughs> and why am I naked? <laughs> right? like, so uh, speak to that, like, the, maybe the, the harms and why this isn't such a good idea.
1: Yeah, well, humanity really discovered alcohol, right? So fruit falls from a tree, it sits long enough, it ferments, you have ethanol. So it's a technology for social connection that we sort of adopted, but we didn't build it. It wasn't designed for our, for our brains, our bodies, our purposes. So it comes, it's really effective in some ways. Um, ethanol cru- crosses the blood-brain barrier very easily. It basically activates GABA-A pathways across the board, which is the main inhibitory neurotransmitter. So it's, it's in there just kind of turning stuff off. Um, so it turns off our inhibitions. It turns off our motor coordination. It can turn off your memory activation. The way alcohol kills you is it turns off your the systems that are running your heart and lungs. Ooh. So it is very powerful, um, and it's also very damaging. Alcohol gets processed into acetaldehyde, which causes a lot of issues. Dehydration. It's hard on our liver. You know. There's massive variability in how bad of hangovers people get. Some people don't really get them, which great for them.
0: That was me. I had no repercussions. I could go, I could go to blackout and wake up and be like, let's go to class, 8 AM. <laughs> no problem.
1: What's your Wild. ethnic background?
0: British and Israel. British. <laughs> I have a lineage of drinkers in yep. my history.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, you know, Asian cultures, um, they don't process acetylaldehyde very well. Um, you know, Northern European, Irish, English, Nordic, a lot of them do. Yeah. So there's a spectrum here. But another way to zoom out here is why is there only one option? You know, humanity has a lot of other psychoactive compounds. And by psychoactive, I just mean something that changes your conscious experience. So coffee is psychoactive. Hmm. Um, Alcohol is psychoactive. Mushrooms are psychoactive. Distinct from psychedelic, which would be more hallucinogens, more mind manifesting, a different class of compounds. But when you think of the psychoactive options at a party, or a bar, it's really alcohol. You might have Red Bulls, you might have espresso martinis, <clears throat> but primarily it's one choice. And to me, that's just absurd yeah. because there's so many psychoactive compounds out there. And that's my perspective. Why not you know, take these, and what we do is we build stacks. So this is kind of a, a new phase of psychoactive technology. I I think of everything before now as single compounds. So ethanol, alcohol is, you know, one compound. Cannabis, you have THC, that's really one main compound. You have terpenes, you have CBD, there's some variation. But now we can take a lot of different psychoactive ingredients and build a stack of ingredients that all work together. Mm. And we can design much more elegant feeling states, state changes that allow people to lower their inhibitions, open their heart, have more energy, be calmer, you know, there's different variations here. But by working with a stack of compounds, this opens up a whole new territory. Because if one compound is, you know, has a little bit of a sharp edge, but a lot of things we like, another compound can smooth that edge.
0: Yeah, I know this well from my days of mixing drugs <laughs> back in the day.
1: What, <laughs> yeah. what was your favorite stack um, back then? I went
0: through a phase where, um, very short phase, thank goodness with cocaine, but, um, cocaine and marijuana combined was like a marvelous discovery for me back then. <laughs> like, cause the cocaine lifted you up and like got you sharp, but the, the marijuana calmed the nervous system. So it wasn't this, like, agitated state. It was like this calm, happy, but alert. And I was like, this is a great combination. <laughs> of course, it's super toxic and not I do not recommend this. But back then I thought that was it worked for me.
1: For partying or creativity? Uh, or?
0: Just for a heightened state, really? But yeah, certainly for partying.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's an interesting stack. That's that's more esoteric. You don't hear about that one a lot. Uh, Some common stacks. Part of the reason cocaine is so popular is that alcohol is the dominant option. Mm. And alcohol, you know, there's this trajectory of getting tired, right? It's wearing your body down. It's hitting a lot of GABA. Essentially, the cocaine allows you to keep to stay up to have energy, and those two kind of work well together. It creates a terrible hangover because it creates a new byproduct. I think it's coca aldehyde. And it's worse than just acetylaldehyde, which is interesting. Wow. Uh, So a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, cocaine, terrible hangover. It's like, no, it's the cocaine plus the alcohol. Ah. Cocaine, pure cocaine by itself, not a bad hangover.
0: Well, pure, I mean, straight out of Columbia would be one thing, but that's not what we're getting here anyway. <laughs> like, it's toxic stuff. I mean, you could smell it, it's, I mean, literally. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, it smells like paint thinner. I mean, it's it's not it's being combined and it's it's really toxic on the body. But I'm sure, mm. combined with alcohol, what you're saying is true too. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, another common stack would be cannabis and coffee. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, Seattle okay. Speed I went right Ball. for that. <laughs> 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 yes. And and that's interesting, you know. And by the way, <clears throat> comparing coffee to alcohol, I mm-hmm. think is very fascinating because c- globally, coffee is worth about four hundred, five hundred billion. Alcohol is worth 1.8 trillion. So, what does that tell us? Does humanity value social state change three, four times more than productivity state change?
0: Hmm.
1: Kind of an interesting question there. Wow. And I think the answer is yes. Like, as a species, we're social creatures, right? So, you know, what we're trying to do with potion, creating new social connectivity drinks it's a big problem. Like alcohol being the only option, it's sort of the default vibe, quote unquote, for humanity. So anytime you go to a party, yeah. the legal choice is ethanol, you know, GABA-A pathways, go for it. Yeah, And that really has this effect on the way our parties feel, the way people show up. You talk about drunk driving, you talk about date rape, you talk about people being a worse version of themselves. Yeah. This is a real problem.
0: Yeah. It's fascinating. I remember when I, there was, there came a day where I just was like, all right, I'm done. I hit kind of rock bottom with it. And, and I was like, that's it. No more. I don't want alcohol in my life. And I found it difficult to go out. There was a phase where I had to transition to, to being comfortable going out to a bar or a restaurant and ordering you know my 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 trick was to order soda water in a champagne glass with a splash of lemon because then it looked like I was drinking and it felt like I was drinking but I wasn't getting intoxicated but I there was a definite phase where I was like this is uncomfortable why why am i even going out i'm, I'm going to stay home
1: yeah and i th- i think that's interesting in a few ways right so you're in a social setting, we're social creatures, um, we all want our consciousnesses to be merging. Nah. So if we're all drinking the same thing, if we all have the same looking drinks in our hand, that's actually an important signal. So this this beverage brand Liquid Death, have you seen them? Yep. Part of why they've done so well uh, is it looks like a craft beer, but it's water.
0: It's just water.
1: So for, you know, I gave up drinking alcohol six years ago. Nice. For folks like us, you could have one in your hand. It's like, I'm still part of the party. I'm still uh-huh. part of this little community, this little tribe. Um, but really that signal is much less important than how you're changing your conscious state. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and I think this is really interesting because... This relates to something I call bio variability of state change. So to unpack that, alcohol tends to affect most people the same way. Lowers their inhibitions, makes them a little looser. Some drugs have a lot more variability across people. Uh, Cannabis is a great example. Some people it's energizing and really fun and social. A lot of people, it's really sleepy. Mm -hmm. So two people enjoying cannabis, their consciousnesses might diverge. Uh. And that's not good for state change technology. So this is something we focus on at Potion. When we build a stack, and this is one of the benefits of a stack of let's say 10 or 12 different psychoactive compounds, we're hitting certain neurotransmitter systems two, three, four times. So every consumer feels the same state change everybody's consciousness is coming together versus separating 10 or 12. Yep. Part of that is we're using supplements. So ingredients that the FDA says, yep, that's safe. That's friendly. Put that in a drink, put that in food, do whatever. We won't really regulate. The reason we're using supplements is we want to spread fast. Like when I experienced the pain of not having an option, This is constant. This is at dinners, this is at weddings, this is on dates, this is at barbecues. It's all the time. So, we want to put potion everywhere you have alcohol so that you have that for folks like us. And, you know, at least 50, 60% of the population doesn't really like alcohol. For all those folks, there's another option.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. I want to just tap on real quick the, the, the shift that happened for me when alcohol stopped calling me, I like to say, <laughs> is, is when I did enough deep work to not need to silence that inner critic, right? There wasn't this inner critic saying, you know, I'm doing something wrong or I'm not good enough. It, it just, it got, it got, it silenced itself, let's put it that way. Right? But I, I did the work on myself. I did enough exploring of my subconscious and understanding the ancestral trauma and all the things that get passed down and and the the belief systems that i created to keep myself safe by playing small when i did that work is when alcohol stopped calling me so i I think there's an important component here for people i love that you're providing an alternative because we need it so that these social settings are um still inviting and comfortable and and exciting and right and we create this change state change without going to this place of numbing out and feeling this need to escape right can you speak real quickly to that that concept of how this still supports people in their journey being sensitive to the fact that it, it might not necessarily replace the work that needs to be done of being human <laughs> right
1: <laughs> does that make sense yeah that's and this is a great point so I I had a birthday party on Friday night. I turned 39 at my buddy's ranch. 100 people were all dressed like animals, having ah. a great time. <laughs> people are drinking potion. People are doing other psychoactives. A lot of people were sober. Nice. Um, not a lot of people drinking. Some people drinking nice tequila. The people who were sober, I was like, Awesome, you're in a setting with strangers, we're wearing costumes, you're on a big ranch, there's a giant ostrich, but you feel comfortable enough with yourself to really drop in. I'm like, awesome, yeah, you know. I see potion as one tool, but people that learn breath work, people that do the hard self growth stuff, people that do ayahuasca and really integrate it, I'm for all of that, uh, and I think. This idea that we need, we need to numb ourselves and alcohol as a way of like, we, we're, we're able to connect because I've turned the volume down on my conscious awareness. Right. That's not great. So right. sometimes people will be like, does it feel like alcohol? And I'm like, not really, because I don't really like the high of alcohol. I gave it up because of the hangovers. But for me, turning the volume down on my awareness, my presence, that's not a priority. No, know, no,
0: nor desired anymore, right?
1: Exactly. So yeah. when we design new state changes, new feelings, we're trying to amplify connection. Perfect. We, we want people to be grounded and feeling pleasure, but, but still very much themselves. And, and the, that's why, you know, the stacks we're building, it's kind of this whole new territory because we can design these feeling states from scratch. So it's like, what's the goal here? And we have two different drinks for launch. One is uh, kind of codenamed Bliss and one is codenamed Vibe. And they're totally different neurotransmitter systems, totally different feelings. Uh, Bliss is euphoric, it's energizing, it's heart opening. And then Vibe is more grounded, calming, smiley, pleasurable. And people can kind of pick what they're in the mood for, right? If they've had a long day and they want a little bit more energy, or if they're on a date, maybe they want that euphoria, heart opening, bliss is a great choice. If they're at a big happy hour and they're feeling a little anxious, vibe's gonna ground you. We're gonna activate those GABA pathways, glutamate pathways, just bring your feet right onto the ground.
0: I love it. Can you share some of the supplements or what are some of the ingredients that are key?
1: Uh, at this point, we- Are you w- allowed? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're using supplements that are, you've heard of before. Magnesium would be an example. Holy basil, Kana. There's a lot. Um, I think for us, it's not so much about the ingredients. It's more about the feeling um, and then also, we've identified a lot of unique ingredients that nobody else is using. So cool. I'd rather kind of wait for consumers to see it on the label. Okay,
0: <laughs> little secret sauce.
1: <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that.
0: I love it. What a blessing! I look forward to the day when uh, the government gets on board with approving uh, things that are actually uh, enlightening and expansive to our consciousness. Instead of this dulling that alcohol provides.
1: Yeah, we're in a heyday of that, like a golden era of a sort. I call this the long tail of psychoactives. But you see this with decriminalization of entheogens and psychedelics in Denver and Oakland and the state of Oregon. I think we're just in this groundswell of acceptance around these tools that can really help us grow. I'd actually love to hear more about your journey of you know, self-discovery, self-growth. Were there any psychoactives that were powerful for that?
0: Oh, yeah. I definitely leaned on plant medicine to support me going into my subconscious and really uncovering the deep-rooted trauma and pain that got passed down to me. Uh, My mother is the eighth child out of a Holocaust survivor. So she came into a world that was not safe, right? And her needs were not met. And she projected that pain uh, through anger, through blame, through shame, through all the the, um, kind of standard ways in which humans express themselves uh, and express their hurt. Right unintentionally her I mean she couldn't have loved me more, but she was just a her- her child, raising a child, <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah and and she did a marvelous job and um but that pain definitely came through, and so what I found myself doing is psilocybin journeys and ayahuasca journeys that really helped me go in and 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 bring me back to the moments in my childhood when my brain in that young state interpreted the environment as um, I'm doing something wrong or I'm not good enough, which our brains are designed to do. And instead as an adult, I was able to then see that experience and reframe it and see, oh no, my mother actually believed in me. That's why she was you know, commenting on my grades because she knew I could get straight A's. She wasn't reprimanding me saying what's wrong with you She was saying, I know you're capable of more, but she didn't know how to express maybe herself in in a way that lifted me up instead of knocking me down. Right, so it just, uh, plant medicine gave me opportunities to reframe childhood experiences that I misinterpreted. And then I created a belief, a pattern that then said, okay, no matter what I do, it's not gonna be good enough. So, you know, don't bother, don't try or start and stop businesses, or you know, however they came up, I, I, and my brain started seeking the evidence of how that is true. And there's tons of evidence as you go through life of how uh, you're, you can compare yourself to anyone and say you're not good enough, right? There's always someone wealthier or prettier or skinnier, or more in shape or doing more successful things. So the work was really coming home to myself and knowing who I am and what my offering was and and my unique value and then uh, how do I express it And, and I do things like this podcast and I figured out my purpose is to elevate human consciousness starting with my own and so how do I do that how do I do that in a way that expresses my unique gifts and, and the things that light me up, like interviewing amazing humans like yourself or creating Wake Up With Nikki tracks where I support people with their confidence or their happiness or their health. Um, so it, it, it was a, this combination of releasing the stuff, the, the thoughts that were holding me back and having me play small and then really leaning into the areas that I love to do that light me up, that bring me joy that I'm also good at. As I, The more podcasts I do, the better I get. It was that combination of work that then got me to a place where I'm really deeply happy with myself, and I have trust that everything's working out perfectly. I trust that I don't have to write a single question down anymore. I know that exactly what's supposed to flow is gonna flow out. I don't have a single question for you, except for one that I ask every guest, and we'll get to that at the end. But like, I stopped writing questions.
1: That's amazing. I, yeah. yeah. And this has been a great flow. Yeah. Just to drill in there a bit more, how did the plant medicine, did it help you map these patterns of, you know, the, a little bit of childhood, kind of trauma, formatting? How did it play into your self-growth? <laughs> I'll, I'll share one, one example. So
0: I was doing a weekend journey with psilocybin and machuma, which is San Pedro. And I found myself in the center of a cuddle puddle with three very large, very strong men just kind of cradling me. There was nothing sexual. It was just literally like we were just kind of all draped on each other. And for the first time in my life, I realized what feeling truly safe in the presence of the masculine felt like. And I realized that by not having a father in my life growing up, that was missing. and. You know, when something's missing, your whole life you don't realize it's missing. <laughs> it's just normal. But then to all of a sudden be held by the masculine and feel a real deep sense of like, wow, I am safe. Like nothing can hurt me in this moment. Was incredibly potent, and it was the plants that helped me get really connected to that that sensation that that I I actually didn't feel safe in my body, and that that came out and like looking in the mirror and pointing out things that I don't like about myself. You know, like I I was talking to myself in a way that wasn't safe. So I wasn't safe in my own body. And I had to some degree uh, pushed away uh, the, the masculine out of my life to protect myself because I, I, again, wasn't safe in the masculine presence. And so that experience helped me then feel safe with the man and be allowed to be open and vulnerable and feminine. I actually didn't have to be the feminine and the masculine at all times. I was allowed to just dance in the feminine and be held by the masculine and be safe and not not have a fear of abandonment, not have a fear of they're going to take advantage of me or they're after one thing or, you know, all the subconscious implantings that happen that I didn't believe myself, but they're just rooted in that subconscious Uh, until you kind of dig in there and plants really support in excavating that, that I I got to really see it and then choose something differently.
1: Mm, That's beautiful. I've, I've microdosed San Pedro and I found it lovely. Yeah. Almost, to me, it felt like more Gaia, more feminine version of psilocybin, which I actually prefer the San Pedro feeling. It's soft. It's lovely. Mm -hmm. I could certainly see how you, you know, using that as a tool could help you step into your divine feminine more actively, help you feel that contrast more fully with the divine masculine. Yeah. What a beautiful example.
0: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the plants have been a, a beautiful journey. Um, I I love even to this day. I I love uh, occasionally a, a microdose of psilocybin. Um, so my favorite combination now is a microdose of psilocybin with a very small uh, like two point five maybe five milligrams of uh, marijuana mm. an edible. That combination almost sends you on a full um, psilocybin journey. Without, you know, tripping or seeing trails or, you know, like, but my state of heightened awareness, especially in nature, is mind-blowing. I mean, talk about connected to my divine essence and my power and my my softness, my kindness, all of it just kind of like flows into this beautiful dance of I am here with purpose and I'm worthy and I'm deserving and I'm loved.
1: Mm, that's beautiful i i enjoy that combination as well (laughs) and and it's interesting from a neurotransmitter system perspective it's balanced you're getting so the mushrooms are to my understanding mostly dopamine serotonin and then the cannabis is cb1 and cb2 totally different pathways the cannabis does give it a little bit more energy pop but also that grounding soothing Mm. i i i see why you enjoy that so much yeah
0: Yeah, I'm actually shying away a little bit from marijuana because as much as I love it, and for me it opens up a doorway to creativity, I I literally need a pen and paper with me at all times. I'm like writing business plans. Like I get so many downloads that are super creative, but I do notice that there is a dulling sensation Mm. and there's a dampening of my motivation, my drive. Um, It actually brings in a little bit of fear the next day of... Uh, it it it's, it stops my momentum to some degree. I noticed that the next few days, and so I, I'm I'm really shying away or backing off and kind of keeping it for like music events or something where you know I get to do that shut off moment and, and really tune into my body and the sensations.
1: I I really think is less is more with cannabis. Yeah. Um, and you look at sort of this rise of like cannabis beverages as an alternative to alcohol. I'm like, oh, it doesn't really work that well for that. Big variability, you know, some people energize, some people sleepy. Uh, THC is really powerful. Yeah. You know, I, I use it kind of very thoughtfully. And I think in microdoses with other stacks, I love it. Um, but yeah, for me, every couple of weeks, having a, a really inspiring cannabis session right. is a great pace. But I do find if I use it more frequently than that, it does get dulling. It's I, It makes me a little fuzzier, which oh, yeah. I, I don't really love that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely has an effect. And it, yeah, I can hear it in my... Like, when I'm doing these podcasts, my, my brain is glitchy. That may have been from the years of partying back in the day. But if I have more marijuana in my life now, I definitely am not sharp like I want to be.
1: Yep. And I think, you know, this is viewing from a stack design perspective, uh, cannabis is a great amplifier. You know, I think in the future, I'd love to build a beverage with potion that feels a lot like smoking a joint, but in a more mainstream way. And that's actually an interesting challenge because when you smoke cannabis versus eat it, it's two different drugs. Because when you eat it, it gets processed by your liver into 11-hydroxy. That's a much more psychedelic, much longer-lasting psychoactive versus when you smoke it, THC is different, the way it interacts with our brains and bodies. So I'd love to build a beverage that feels more like the THC high, but also round the edges, maybe weave in an antihistamine, because a lot of people have a histamine response to cannabis. So I think this is kind of, it gives you a feel for what stack design can do. Uh, But yeah, cannabis, you know, I think it's lovely, used properly, easy for folks to use a little bit too much.
0: I wonder if that histamine response is the body telling you this isn't working for you.
1: Could be, and I think THC is just really powerful. Like, I, I kind of microdose cannabis when I use it. It may just be, hey, there's too much THC here, like slow down, that might be the, the signal.
0: Yeah. Is there any promise, I don't know if you know about the legalities, but is there promise for microdoses of psilocybin to be legal?
1: Yeah, you know, I think you've got decriminalization in a lot of cities, states. Um, a lot of people are saying that it's the psilocybin space is sort of where cannabis was like 15 years ago. Uh-huh. So I don't know if you've seen, there's so many lovely chocolate bars that have psilocybin woven in with like professional packaging. And oh, yeah. There's like I have probably four of them in my apartment. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think that's a that's a signal that like hey a lot of you know the government's not really enforcing very much in terms of cracking down on these. There's like this big kind of gray market developing, and I think you know it's funny. It's maybe more women in my life love to to microdose psilocybin than men as like a social alcohol alternative. I'm not sure if you've experienced that, too. That's, this is a rough theory I have. But very popular here in Austin. And obviously, psilocybin is super powerful, too. You can have, you know, life-changing trips out in nature. Or microdosing can be great for productivity, people's brains. It's, um, yeah, it's exciting to see that developing.
0: Just for those of you that are not so familiar, um, microdosing, it, there's no psychoactivity per se. Maybe I'm getting the wording wrong, but there... Um, You don't feel a high sensation, but there's a heightened level of my awareness that I experience so that I am, it's almost like you've done two hours of meditating in the morning. I'm just a lot more aware of what's happening in my environment and how I, it's almost like I get to watch the movie without it all hitting me. And I don't, I'm not an actor in the movie, but rather I'm watching the movie and it kind of creates this scene where I can stay in a centered place of calm and peace and maneuver my day that way versus like being the dramatic actor that's getting upset or angry or, or hurt or any of those things. I just, it, it creates a little space and a heightened sense of awareness for me.
1: Mm, I, that's lovely. I, yeah, I think a lot of the folks in my network have similar relationships to it and kind of I've heard described as it makes things a little bit more like high definition Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit easier to just make decisions, just be active in the way that you, the direction you know is right for you. Yeah. A little less overthinking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Any more thoughts that you want to share about potion?
1: The biggest thing, the biggest opportunity I see is just giving people more choice. Yeah, You know, I think, There's a lot of beautiful components of Stacks. Um, You know, this whole, like, we're entering a new phase of psychoactives where we can actively design a stack to fit a certain situation. We can round the hard edges. Uh, The beauty of Stacks is we find there's less bio-variability, so everybody feels the same feeling. People don't develop tolerance in the same way. And this is all, think of a stack as like an orchestra playing where you have a lot of beautiful instruments all doing their part versus a compound is one electric guitar just ripping. And that's alcohol with GABA or cannabis with THC. Uh, another thing with stacks is they're much safer. <clears throat> so... Softer on the brain, less hangovers, just kind of gentler on the body. And this is, you know, it's like any technology. It's like a Tesla is great. It's super fast, it runs on electricity, they're sexy. They're just kind of better than, you know, Henry Ford's car from 1930. So I think stacks are kind of this new frontier and Potion, we really plan to be the primary brand to bring them to the world. So really excited about that. Um, We're pre-launch. You know, we're one to three months away from kind of hitting market. And I've been working on it hard for three years. We have three PhDs on the Scientific Advisory Board. We've spent a lot of money on just product dev. You know, I think we're taking the state change so seriously. And I have such a high bar for how it feels for everybody that drinks it. I'm just excited to to bring it to the world and give people another option besides alcohol in all these social settings.
0: I love it. Is there the same type of effect like with alcohol, where you have one and it's kind of like a mild sensation, and then if you have three, you're gonna really feel it, kind of thing?
1: Yeah, we in the industry we call this sessionability.
0: Uh-huh. Like so, dosing, essentially. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, and I think that's important because people can kind of kind of tailor up to the level they're trying to hit. Um, So when we design a beverage, we're kind of thinking of the consumer having anywhere from one to four, five, six servings kind of at the top end. And our goal is for people to feel one, but to be able to kind of tailor up as they desire. And as you get higher, you're starting to get into more of a peak experience, more of a dramatic state change can really amplify, let's say, an electronic music concert. Or you know, on a date, we, you can really open your heart if you're having three, four servings.
0: And how do they come? Is this in a can or?
1: We're doing, you know, we want this to be able to spread quickly. So um, lower liquid volume, like a concentrate. So uh, one ounce servings. So more concentrated than alcohol. And we're either going to do two or four ounce uh, serve, you know, kind of bottle size to start. And we just want to be able to ship them direct to consumer all over the U.S. and then all over the globe. But then we'll move that concentrate form into, I would love wine alternatives in the future. I'd love, I'm not a big sparkling water guy, but a lot of consumers love that. So kind of like a hard quote-unquote seltzer that's powered by potion. So we'll be in all the forms that you're used to drinking alcohol, but we'll be powering those beverages with new state changes.
0: Got it. Love it. All right, final question that I ask all my guests. If little Tommy, little six-year-old Tommy, were sitting next to you right now, what would you tell him?
1: That's a great question. <laughs> I would say you're, you're super lucky. You've kind of got great family. You're growing up in this amazing country. Just do your thing. Explore your passions. You know, st- keep doing the things that light your fire and use that, trust your gut, use that kind of, the way things feel as a guiding light.
0: Mm, love it. Yay! <laughs> uh, thank you so much. I will make sure to put it on the show notes of how they can um, receive or get at least notified of when it's released. Perfect. Yeah? Yeah. All right, and is there somewhere they can go now to learn more?
1: No, it's still early, but early very started. soon. This, You know, that's kind of why we wanted to do this with you. I thought it'd be fun, this, like, pre-launch podcast. Yeah, but love N- it. Nikki, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Ah, my pleasure as well. I'm so excited. I'm I'm grateful that uh, Legends got to be one of the first <laughs> to learn about this. Uh, you guys, you heard it here. You have an alternative. I love you guys so much. Mwah! <laughs> we